Welcome to the Business of Health podcast. This is a podcast that highlights issues that could cost group health agents and brokers thousands of dollars. The health insurance industry is constantly changing. And each episode, we're going to give you tools to grow a profitable business and better serve your clients. I'm your host, Mike Martins. Now, let's grow your health business. Welcome to another episode of Business of Health. Now, I think we've got a fun and informative session today. And, you know, for all of our followers, I know that a lot of our content and information on the program deals with compliance, whether it's a compliance dealing with the Affordable Care Act, the Internal Revenue Service, ERISA, and it's important information, but I understand it it can be a bit dry. So today is a kickback, relax, and listen day because we're going to be discussing something that most of us utilize daily. And I'm talking about a wearable device. It doesn't matter who the manufacturer is, but I know that I use mine frequently. And I'm so thankful that every day it reminds me that I have not taken enough steps for that day. But our guest is David Smith, and David is the president and chief revenue officer of AlumaView. Now, this company was founded in 2009. And a lot of you may not be familiar with what AlumaView does right now. You will be in the next 20 to 30 minutes, but they're behind a lot of the technology and the research and development of what's going into this broad-based category of wearable devices, not all of which go on your wrist. But David, welcome to the Business of Health. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Our pleasure. Tell me a little bit. Let's start, David, a little bit with your background and kind of give me the 2,500-foot view of AlumaView, and then I kind of want to go down into the weeds. Sure. I've been in healthcare for most of my career, which is now going on 30 years, and I've touched just about every aspect of healthcare with the exception of pharma. And at this point Mm -hmm. in my career, I'm happy to stay away from that (laughs) at this point. I started working in uh, 1992 with commercial insurers and have broadened into hospitals, into working with Medicare, state agencies for Medicaid, now doing a lot of work in the Medicare Advantage world. And AlumaView was a company started in 2009, as you mentioned, as a company to support researchers in using wearable devices or any kind of device for modifying behavior and looking at how an intervention like a mindfulness for or as some sort of meditation can help on the behavioral and mental health of individuals. As things have progressed into autism, working with uh, patients and uh, physicians to make the environment safe for caregivers of those children with autism, it's sort of grown. And over the last year, We've been moving more into heart and cardiovascular health. We acquired a company called Cardiogram, and Mm -hmm. Cardiogram allows for any standard uh, smartwatch, whether it's an Apple, Samsung, Garmin, we're agnostic, but taking that data and running it through our scientifically proven algorithms to pre-diagnose certain conditions like AFib, hypertension diabetes, and sleep apnea. And that's how we're moving into the commercial health space out of the direct-to-consumer space where we've 
uh, been predominantly providing our solution over 4 million individuals. You know, you and I talked the other day about how fast this industry has progressed and where we've come from. And we're probably about the same age. So we're old enough to remember things like fax machines and thermal paper. And I remember the first cell phone that I owned was mounted to the floor of my car. I can specifically remember it cost me $879 to put it in the car and it ran me a buck and a half a minute to talk on it, but it was something I had to have. I think one of the things, and I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but one of the things that has really brought the wearable device to the front page is the fact that it's a multifunctional tool. It's a telephone, it's a flashlight, your calendar is in there, and in addition, it can collect all of this data. And it just wasn't that long ago that really, if and in the group health insurance business, if you could put together what we referred to as a health fair, where you could get an employer to give you a spot to go take blood pressure and do those kind of things, you were very fortunate. And you might have 15 or 20 percent of a population show up to that. And generally, 80 percent of that population were the people that were walking, running, exercising, eating right. I think it became a positive reinforcement tool. But nonetheless, what this technology has done is it has given the consumer and the medical industry the capability to monitor things without a conscious effort on the part of the individual. That's what I think is so cool and so fascinating about this. I know this is a reach, but kind of where do you see this technology? Let's say next five years. I think. There's some very interesting developments in the democratization of wearable devices, being able to deliver monitoring on a remote basis and also pre-diagnosis over the next five years. And that democratization allows this to get into the hands and on the arms of those underserved populations that Mm -hmm. aren't being addressed today. And I think the fact that we have low cost devices under $100 that health plans that are willing to sponsor for their members is a very important directional shift. It's funny, I was attending a conference a year ago and a very large Medicare Advantage provider was touting their relationship with a wearable device company and how they were able to track steps and uh, make sure, encourage members to get their steps in and get their exercise. As you mentioned, sort of with these health fairs, I felt like I was rushing headlong into the 90s. I'm sitting there with an opportunity to actually pre-diagnose diabetes and hypertension simply through the data that the member self-reports and the data coming from a wearable device. I think uh, there are some very innovative things that are coming in the more emergent areas. I know we're, we may be back on in Q1 talking about a very exciting migraine application that we're bringing to market. So I think there's those more emergent components of what happens on a day-to-day basis and how we can impact that through a simple standard wearable device. Another good example is we're talking to a very large employer group today around the use of the wearable device uh, for sleep apnea tracking for their long haul truck drivers. They have a program in place where their truck drivers go once a year to have an evaluation. And this type of simple standard wearable smartwatch 
gives the employer the ability to monitor what goes on the other 51 weeks out of the year. And I think that's an important development. And you'll see more and more of that for the self-insured employers, uh, as well as for the Medicare Advantage and uh, regular uh, health plans as well. So I think there's a lot coming in the way of machine learning and use the term that's overused, artificial intelligence. It's not quite as artificial anymore because it's been proven that these algorithms do uh, work. And we like to say we put our money where our math is. And I think that makes a a big impression for employers and for the insurers. Absolutely no question. I mean, this is kind of the ultimate preventive care tool. One of the things that the Affordable Care Act did is it created this environment where preventive care was not only promoted, but it was paid for. The one thing it didn't do was get them to the provider. And by utilizing technology to diagnose these things, because we all in this industry know and understand very well that hypertension and prediabetes are not painful events. Usually these are not situations that you're going to wake up and say, I've got this pain, I've got this ache. I wonder if it could be the onset of diabetes or I wonder if it's my hypertension. They're silent killers. And to monitor and measure those things on an ongoing basis is, I mean, it's invaluable. And I would think that the large employer community, all of which today are on some form of a self-funded platform for their group medical coverage, I would think all of them would want to put an ear to this and look at and evaluate the value of having this type of information. Well, that's exactly where we sit today is that apex of early signal data that allows uh, an employer or a health plan to move a member from a state of stasis into a care management program earlier. And that early detection is what allows significant savings over the lifetime of the member or the employee. And I think that gives even more than that, it gives the member and the employee the ability to manage their own health moving mm-hmm. forward. I know I'm addicted to looking at it on a daily basis, even though our risk scores don't change, uh, but on a weekly basis, I'm opening my cardiogram app, I'm digging in and I'm seeing just in the last couple of weeks, share a little PHI here, my sleep apnea risk has increased. And as I'm also managing a medication change for my blood pressure, I'm able to use a Bluetooth cuff and actually bring that data as well as any Bluetooth data from a scale or any device and bring that into a central location for my own health management. And having an app that allows all of that to be managed in one place and then, as you mentioned, prevent present it to the doctor at my next visit so that he or she can see what has happened over the last three months since my last visit. And I think that is the member owning their own health and allowing the physician the data that they don't capture one to four times a year in office. So I think that's really where the advantage starts to come and take advantage for the health of the member and the long-term cost savings for the employers and the health plans. Well, I know personally, there's something that's a bit addictive about being able to track this data easily. I use the blood pressure feature on my wearable. I was in a situation a couple of days ago, and I'm not the only person with difficult clients, but 
I was on a call with a difficult client. They were struggling with understanding a concept. And we had gone through it and gone through it. And in my mind, I went, oh, man, let's see what impact this has on my blood pressure. (laughs) And it does. So it's the ease of use, I think, is paramount to a lot of the value here. And we all have kind of learned over the last few years, and I don't know if COVID played into this or not, but we've all kind of learned that we've got to own our own health. Physicians are under a tremendous amount of pressure to see more and more patients and give less and less time to the individual. And I know my primary is under that pressure. We talk about it. I don't hold him responsible for that because he's part of a multi-specialty clinic that's dictated to him. But if you don't assume that responsibility of tracking those baselines and looking at those types of things, a lot of times they're just overlooked. If you walk in there and your blood pressure is good, your temperature is good, your blood oxygen is good, everything else checks out. Hey, you're doing great. We'll see you later. Maybe, maybe not. You had shared with me a story, and I want to talk about that, about the guy that was the cyclist. Share that story with us. Sure. The gentleman had been using Cardiogram as part of our direct-to-consumer offering, and he used it to monitor and manage his recovery time. And he was an older gentleman in his late 60s, but still very athletic, very fit, and very much owning his own health data. But after a particular ride, he noticed that he wasn't recovering at all, and his heart rate was still maintained at a very high level which was very unusual from the last four years of data that he had. So he knew something wasn't right. He felt okay, but not great. Took his data to the emergency room and they checked him out and they said, no, you're fine. You should go home, rest it off. Still wasn't comfortable with that answer. So he went to the second emergency room. Same exact thing happened. At the third emergency room, he made it very clear, I'm not leaving here until someone looks at my own data and I know something's not right. Come to find out, he was reviewed, the data was looked at, some tests were run. He did, in fact, have a multiple blockages and was the next morning undergoing a quadruple bypass. And he said, this app absolutely saved my life. The other stories similar to that we get are your data that I see on my cardiogram app actually beats some of the data that I'm getting from the other wearable devices that are specifically designed to capture that. And I think it's that early signal detection that we're able to do uh, from a standard device that can really make an impact on the emergent situations, but also over the long term as well. And it's so easy to do. Well, nobody, Mike, nobody wants to put on a second, third or fourth device. If you can capture it from a standard smartwatch that you can buy off the shelf. And that's what a lot of health plans are starting to talk with us about is offering not only the smartwatch, but our app bundled with that at the point of sale and be able to use their benefit to actually purchase that and subscribe. So I think that's a direction that health insurance industry is moving. And they should. And we mentioned it earlier, there is no substitution for early detection on a lot of these issues as it pertains to cost impact down the road. David, share with me some 
I know you've got multiple case studies. And before we leave today, we're going to talk about your website and how everybody gets information. But if one of our subscribers or listeners says, you know what, I got a large group that I'm trying to find some new ways to introduce uh, some cost-saving measures. Do they contact LumaView? Kind of give me the steps on how they would go through accessing what's available. Absolutely. So they can reach out to us at LumaView.com or Cardiogram.com. Either venue uh, will get to us. And what we will do is do an initial analysis of uh, the group. Uh, look at uh, using the wearables that uh, individuals, the smartwatches that individuals may already have uh, in the program or in the group. And then it's as simple as a download of our app uh, with the code that the employer group or the, the health plan would roll out for their members. We will work with them to determine who is doing the outreach to the employees is it uh, if they prefer to do it directly or if they prefer it to come from us as a third party, uh, we can do that as well. Once the member or the employee downloads the app, uh, we can then provide push notifications, reminders, uh, engagement through the app that uh, whether it's uh, medication adherence, whether it's new programs uh, being offered from the employer whether it's a flu shot season to go get their flu shot, any of those, that messaging once the app is downloaded uh, can be customized and configured for the employer to continually engage that member in a greater way. And, you know, there are a lot of apps that are, are doing that today in a direct member engagement approach. We sort of backdoor that engagement and that gives us the capability to deliver a different message because the employee or the member is actually engaging in their own health care and may helping to improve their own outcomes, which ultimately a better engaged employee is a healthier employee at the end mm -hmm. of the day. And we've talked quite a bit about the cardiovascular applications. You mentioned that there may be a potential application for migraines, which I fortunately, I don't suffer from those, but I know people that do and it's debilitating. What other applications are there that we ought to touch on? Well, I think moving forward, there's our research-based approach that we've started our company with, mental and behavioral side of the coin. I think some of the things that are evolving and where we're moving as an organization is beyond just the physical aspect of the wearable device and looking at whole person care and looking at how the physical, the emotional, the cognitive, the environmental things such as fall detection and rolling all of that up into a single application. That's where we're going as an organization. And I think that's what you'll see in the industry moving forward is a more of an approach to how can I stay healthier throughout the remainder of my life? How can seniors age in place longer? And how can caregivers feel more comfortable that their senior parent or person that they're caring for is safe and okay while they're still moving on with their lives? And I, I use the example of my wife, whose mother-in-law lives with us. And while for only six months out of the year, what's going on the other six months when she's in Florida? 
You know, it's that you want them to feel comfortable that they are living a healthy and happy lifestyle, but are they managing their A1C levels? Are they eating, not just eating correctly, but are they eating? Eating period. Um, Exactly. So it's that level of engagement that an app like this can actually extend the lives of individuals uh, down the pathway. And so that's where we're moving as an app, as a company. I think as an industry, I think we're moving there as well. So, well, independent aging, I think, is more important now than it ever has been. I have had aging parents, both my parents and my in-laws are now gone, but the whole concept for that has changed because back in the 60s and 70s, you didn't have assisted living, independent living. If somebody was not able to care for themselves, they went to the quote unquote home and the home covered the gamut from in-stage Alzheimer's to people who just simply needed some assistance in bathing and dressing. So I think that there is a huge demand in the senior space to I want to stay in my place and I can manage this. And we've come an awful long way, with all due respect, uh, to the help I've fallen and I can't get up era of the 1980s and the 1990s. And so I think this is just incredibly fascinating. Well, the home has become the home now. Yeah. And so that's I think we're we're striving to help individuals and uh, age in place longer and more effectively. David, is there anything that I've missed today that you want to bring up? No, I think it's an exciting time to be in healthcare. And like you said, now that your parents and your in-laws have passed on, we're not very rapidly approaching that senior uh, aging in place group. Uh-huh. I hate to admit it. No, nope, um, I'm with you. But the what that does is it creates an incredible opportunity uh, because those of us who are somewhat tech savvy already have those watches on our wrists and AARP uh, and the study is available on our website as well. But AARP has come out with a new study that says close to 45% of those that are aging into Medicare have a wearable smartwatch of some sort. And so those percentages each year are rocketing skyward. And so it's no longer an adoption problem. It's an access problem. And I think, as I talked about earlier, with health equity becoming the new leg of the stool or the quadruple aim, it's a very easy way for to get low cost devices on underserved populations. And I think that's a, a key piece moving forward in the industry. I, and I couldn't agree more. David, how do our listeners get a hold of you? It's alumaview.com or cardiogram.com. My email is david.smith at alumaview.com. And you can check out the podcast website for the spelling of Alumaview. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on. I'd like to do a follow-up down the road because this is rapidly moving stuff. And I think not only is it important for a corporation, an HR professional, or an insurance producer, But it's really important for us as individuals to stay on top of what technology is out there and what the capability is and what it can and cannot measure and help us with as we uh, we go down this journey into, uh, as they used to say, our golden years. But 
<laughs> anyway, happy to do it, Mike. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. And like I said, we'll follow up. So thanks again for being on the show, David. Thank you, Mike. Well, the only bad news today is that we're at the end of the show. So thanks for listening to the Business of Health podcast. Listening to this show puts your agency in position for success. Remember to click the link below. Check out my website at www.firststaffbenefits.com. Give me a shout. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep taking action. Until next time, this is Mike Martins signing off.